G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Songs that changed you. If this was my edition of Songs That Change You, this man would be uh, responsible for a lot of the songs I would have chosen, from DC Talk to Reliant K. He's had his finger in the uh, Christian music scene for a very long time and very excited to welcome Mark Lee Townsend. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. How's it going over there? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Where do we find you today? I live just south of Nashville. I mean, I'm not in... I used to be in Nashville proper, but... uh, Last year, me and the wife decided to move out of the city into the country. So we're, we're probably about like 30 minutes south of downtown Nashville. So it's still kind of the Nashville area. And is that your studio I can see in the background? Yeah, this is my control room. It, yeah, that, it's, it's interesting because I've had houses where I've had like really large studios. Yeah, and uh, this one, I, I have a smaller control room, but a better tracking area. So it's worked out pretty good. Okay, I mix good. a lot of things for people these days. And so it's a really good mix environment. Mark, what is the song that you have chosen that has changed you in some way? I don't have one specific song in life that has been like my, uh, the, the, you know, life changing in that sense. Uh, you know, I was telling you, I think that I, you know, there's several hymns that I love throughout the years. And uh, there's a Phil Keggy song that is really ministered to me. It's called Just Let Everything Else Go. It's from way back. Nothing can compare with what you I just love the lyric on it, especially the chorus. But uh, I thought, you know, given the nature of your show and stuff, I thought I would talk about uh, a song that I did with Reliant K that probably, if you ask their fan base, would say it is one of the most ambitious and impactful tunes to most of the fan base, I would think. Deathbed. But this was my deathbed. Died there alone when I closed my eyes tonight. You carried me home. Deathbed from their fifth album, uh, Five Score and Seven That's Years right. Ago, that was released uh, a few years back now. Uh, and you. Yes. Up until that point, had been their producer for all of their albums in, and including this song. Yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of how this it came about. Um, Matt had been kind of toying with the song for, or you know, building it because, as you could tell, it's pretty lengthy. Gosh, I want to say like from the very front of it to the last squeak of the piano bench, it's like eleven minutes or something like that. So it's uh, definitely like a long tune. Eleven minutes and five seconds I've got written here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they had just been signed to Capitol. Mm-hmm had been a really 
large success. And so Capitol Records uh, in Los Angeles had decided to, uh, you know, sign the band or whatever, actually kind of go alongside their existing deal. It was kind of a co-partnership thing. So Capitol had put them with Howard Benson to do a bunch of the record, which I completely wholeheartedly agreed with because Howard was having a lot of hits in the mainstream at that point in time. He was kind of the hot flavor out there. And I never from day one had ever had a contract with Reliant K in the sense of I had not. A lot of times people, when you discover an act or develop an act, a lot of producers will you know sign them to an exclusive deal. I never did that. I just kind of always figured, hey, if it's working and the partnership's working, it's kind of like not comparing us to or me to, but it was kind of like George Martin with the Beatles. He never had a contract with yeah. them uh, per se, but it was it was something that worked. And so they kept coming back to that flavor, you know? So anyhow, Howard didn't want to mess with, at that time, an eight-minute song or nine-minute song. He was used to doing three, three-and-a-half, four-minute pop tunes kind of thing. So the band really wanted to do this song. So they had recorded the bulk of the songs that Howard had done on five score and we came back to my place in nashville to work on it and matt immediately kind of sat down and played this for me on piano i'm like going, oh gosh this is awesome i mean just the lyric the story the whole thing uh it, it's so hopeful i mean and, it, and it's truth you know I, you know the redemption that jesus brings into your life you know i mean the absolute assured redemption of that story you know so at that point, me and Tyson kind of hold up in my studio for the next couple of weeks, a bit each day, just adding tracks to it. You know, there's actually three different drum kits on the song, two different drummers. Uh, as far as the amount of tracks, I think it's the largest amount of tracks I've ever done on a song. I think we were clocking it at 111, 112 oh tracks, which for, for a rock song is a lot of tracks yeah and once again that's three drum that's three different drum kits for the tracks and strings and you know all the all the stuff we put on it you know what i mean but it, it turned out epic to say the least and i was really wondering how capital would receive this you know what i mean yeah in the context of it and, and they rolled with it with us which was awesome it's probably one of the reliant k's most overtly uh faith-based song if if that makes sense like at this point in the career some of the some of the messages were sort of more subtle and more mature whereas this one it's very obvious uh, of what's being spoken about and things absolutely absolutely and i think that's one of the things i love about it the impact of it became even more real uh real to me when uh we did uh the last rko mayor for free you know we did that uh i think it was 2016 around there or something like that and i actually went out they asked me to go out on the road with them and play with them so I was originally going to do like just a couple weeks of like a three month tour. And I ended up out like a month and a half with them on the road and uh, played guitar with them alongside hoops and everybody else. And playing deathbed each night was incredible because you could just feel it in the room. I mean, every show we would play, everybody knew the lyrics and they're singing this thing that is just worshipful and hopeful and the emotional reality of the story just really played out well in a live setting it ministered to me every night i mean i thought 
I found myself in tears almost every night. It was so impactful, you know? Yeah, it's a really strong song. And I love hearing that pretty much from, from what you're saying, from the first time you heard it, it's, it's had that strong impact. It did, absolutely. And I think for us, we wanted to add a bunch of things to it, but but we didn't want to make it a pop song, as weird as it is to say. You know, we didn't want we didn't want the message to get lost, but yet we did all kinds of the typical goofy stuff that we would do, you know, toy pianos and yeah. I can smell the death on the sheets covering me. I can't believe this is the end. I think Hoops and Teeson played all the horn stuff. They they played trumpet, I think, in high school, and they ended up just hopping on that. I'm actually the bass player on that track. Nice. Uh, I, we literally just hopped in and, you know, kind of kind of assembled it you know, to a certain degree based around a piano track, you know, based around Matt's piano performance. Now, talk me through the decision to add uh, Switchfoot's John Foreman uh, at the end playing the role of God because up until this point, I don't know of a Reliant K song that features anyone else on it. So that must have been a discussion like, who do we get for this role? What would sound right? Yeah, you know, actually, it's interesting because uh, on Mm-hmm, we actually did at that point start guesting a few different singers, but but it wasn't necessarily somebody like of John John stature. On a couple of tracks, on one of them, uh, John Davis, who was in a general market band called Super Drag, okay. he had recently become a believer, and uh, we had him guest on one of the tunes. And then uh, I was at that time also, besides working with Reliant K on that, I was running a label out of Nashville that that was uh, Christians that were doing general market type of things. It was a small label that that. Uh, I had a couple of good bands. I one of the bands I had was a band called The Wedding out of Arkansas here in the States. I love the, the singer. Yeah, and, and Kevin Keane, the singer from that, I was working with them. At the same time, I was working with with uh, Reliant K on mm-hmm, on the in betweens. I was working with the Wedding on their first record, and Tyson heard that you know heard Kevin's voice and goes, "Dude, that guy sings great." Which you know, I mean, I was kind of going, "Yeah, you're preaching to the choir on that one for <laughs> me." Um, I thought he was great too, and he said, "Can we get Kevin to sing?" So you know, we, we that was kind of getting our foot in the door, you know, on that. But I think the thing with John Foreman, I mean, RK had done some dates with them throughout the years, you know, and, and, and I'd known Switchfoot, I mean, from my DC talk days, you know, uh, you do your festivals and like DC talk, you know, we were the headliner most of the times when we played and I didn't necessarily hang out at a festival all day. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like we're, we were chilling back at the hotel or playing softball or doing something. Uh, but Switchfoot was one of the bands that I always made and took time to go see play in like an afternoon stage. And and so I had gotten to know the Foremans and, and Tim and all these guys, you know, all these different people. And so it was logical. So literally what we did is we sent the track to him with just a guide vocal in at his home studio. He just put his vocal on and emailed it back to me and I flew it in the track. He was he was he was awesome. He was grateful to do it. It even sounds a little bit different for him because on a lot of Switchfoot songs there's there's 
big rock moments. And then on this song, it's almost like he's... It's a beautiful sort of sound coming from him. That's that right. Sort of sweeps in, and and it and it's it's a beautiful matchup. It's perfect. I am the way. Follow me and take my hand. And I am the truth. Embrace me and understand. He had expressed a concern to me because, uh, you know, Matt Thiessen has lived in falsetto world with his voice f- since the first record. I mean, kind of when I found out that he kind of had that Brian Wilson falsetto, it's like, yeah, let's let's use that a bunch. And he was willing to go there, which was great. John had said something to me like, he goes, man, I don't have all that strong a falsetto. I'll 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 try, you know, I'll try and see what I can do. And of course, it's exactly like you said, it just the the the. Um, I don't want to say innocence, but but the the purity yeah. of of the vocal, uh, the the vulnerability of it. I thought it worked fantastic, and I think in his mind he was kind of like, "Oh man, I don't know if that was good enough." And it's like, <laughs> dude, it's great. It absolutely fits the bill. We mentioned before that the length of the song, eleven minutes and and five seconds. Right? Was there ever talk to cut it down? Like, oh, we're getting a bit far here. Like, how long can a song really go? No, you know, there really wasn't. When we were working on Deathbed, we were getting some of the mixes back. Chris Lord Algie was mixing a lot of the rest of the record. And so they would send the mixes and we were listening to them in my studio in Nashville and and just kind of listening, kind of, you know, making mix, you know, suggestions or whatever have you. But, um, you know, as I listened to what was coming in, it was so pop, you know, must have done something right. You know, it, it was it was so it was so pop. Um, especially after mm-hmm, had so many songs that had uh, a lot of maturity in it. And, and, and I'm not saying that it was bad by any stretch. It's a great record. But but I felt like, especially with Deathbed, I, I felt like it brought a real depth back into the record versus the three-minute, three-and-a-half-minute, four-minute pop song. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what Capital were expecting, you know? Like, there are... Commercial uh, label, they want three and a half minute songs they can chuck on the radio, and then you rock up with this eleven minutes and five seconds, and it's like, oh, that's, that's different. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you leave us to our own devices. You know, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. You know, but no, I mean that was us. Goatee Records, you know, who they've been signed to for forever. They were always great about that. They always trusted us. All the albums up until mm-hmm, were actually recorded. I was living in Ohio at the time. I was still on the road with DC Talk, and we would work on those on the in-betweens a lot of time. And those were done in my home studio up in Ohio, and they weren't done in Nashville. Uh, Literally, Mm -hmm was the first one we did in a major studio in Nashville. And Goatee was just always great about letting us do our thing. I, they trusted us. Yeah. Uh, which to- Toby Mac and, you know, and, and just Joey Elwood and the people that run that label were extremely trusting. And I think that uh, I think in the long run, it paid off for him. Just being honest. There's a track on Toby Mac's latest album where he's got the uh, other members of DC Talk uh, on to, to feature on it. You didn't get the call up for yeah, that yeah. one? How can we start to erase this space between this us? Space between us? Would you step across the party line? Would you walk into my cold cell? No, I think it was probably just the singers, you yeah, know, at that yeah, point yeah. in time. We were looking at doing, uh, a, we d- did both the reunion cruises, 
you know, in, in 17 and 19. And, and we were talking about doing a, a month and a half tour or something like that. And then COVID hit and it just kind of wiped the whole industry out. And that, that's when Toby ended up having to cancel shows or rearrange. And then, so he had to go back and get a backlog. So I think at some point in time, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see a, uh, you'll see another talk tour and I'll be there with them on that, Awesome, you know, which will be a lot of fun. It, when we did the cruises, it, we hadn't missed a beat. They booked two, two weeks worth of rehearsal. We had, we had the stuff down. We hadn't played together probably in, man, it had probably been like seven, 16, 17 years since we played together uh, as a band and played those songs. We had it down in two days and then we didn't need two weeks of rehearsal. So, uh, you it know, it comes flooding back. It, it, yeah, it, it did. And we were just always super tight, you know, and, and, and uh, still are to a certain degree. So I need to ask as well, what's happening with Reliant K? Am I allowed to to know? Is there anything that's brewing? Yeah, they did. They did. A, they did a short tour, uh, uh, I think, on the on last year. I want to say it was last spring or whatever. And they were out for a while. And I think it was pretty well received. The difficult part, I think, for everybody in the touring business these days uh, is the cost of, of it. The, the cost of diesel especially has been outrageous yeah because i i generally talk to t-son or you know see him every few weeks or whatever have you especially and he um last i talked to him he's got a um connection with some filmmakers out in la and they had asked him about doing some music you know soundtrack stuff for that I, and there were he didn't i didn't have a lot of details on the stories in particular one of them definitely kind of was looking towards a punk rockish type soundtrack yeah cool and so he was going to be involved with that and of course me and him had talked about working together on that so i don't know that that was specifically i think it was more of a matt teeson project than a reliant k project yeah i imagine at some point in time they'll get back to making music Well, man, I could talk to you about Reliant K and hear all these cool little stories for hours, but uh, we have a song to play for everyone. Uh, Deathbed from Reliant K, we're going to chuck it on for everyone now. Mark Lee Townsend, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Blessings to you as you uh, continue your good work, all right? I can smell the death on the sheets covering me. I can't believe is the Should be I abandon that thought 
nicotine I'd acquired a taste for liquor and nicotine I smoked until I threw up Yet I still it all up For 30 more years Like a machine So right there you have it That one filthy habit Is what got me where I am today I can smell the death on the sheet Cried wolf, 
The tears they soaked your fur The blood dripped from your fangs You said, what have I done? You love that lamb With every sinful bone And there you wept alone Your heart was so contrite you said, Jesus, please forgive me of my crimes. Sanctify this withered heart of mine. Stay with me until my life is through. And on that day, please take me home with you.
another episode of songs that changed you on vision if you missed any of our chat or want to hear more episodes search for songs that changed you in apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get podcasts my name is aiden thanks for listening